Alright guys, welcome back to Batflip Podcast Episode 3. Matt, how's it going this week? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing alright. Just trying to... We're having a lot of fires over here in California, so the entire air is just filled with smoke. Uh, it makes your chest hurt so bad. Oh man, that's that's rough. We got you know we got our own problems here with the two hurricanes coming into the Gulf of Mexico at the same time, and it's I've been uh, we've been following that real close. It looks like they're probably gonna avoid us here in here in Alabama pretty well, but um, it's been a it's been a crazy week from that. So I'm telling you, Mother Nature is not happy with the world right now. No, it is not. <laughs> well, we have a we have about eight things we need to hit on today, so we're just gonna jump right into it. Um, we're gonna start with the standings like we always do, uh, kind of just blow through this. Um, then hit on some injuries, um, some other stuff that's happened in the game, and then you know we told you guys we were going to hit on some trades. Uh, we actually had a trade that happened this week before the episode, so we'll hit on that and then a couple of our yeah. ideas, and then uh, end off with the player of the weeks like we always like to do. So uh, let's go ahead and start with the standings. We'll go to the American League East. Um, you know, Tampa was eight and two this week. Um, New York was six and four. T- Toronto six and four. Baltimore and Boston three and seven. Yeah, B- Baltimore is on a slide, uh, which was you know kind of to be expected. The Blue Jays had won six in a row as of yesterday, and I guess they must have lost today. Let's see their records dipped, but they were uh, they were on a, doing pretty well. And uh, of course, the Rays are now in first place with the Yankees not playing this weekend because of the Mets COVID situation, which mm-hmm. seems like it's probably gonna you know turn out in a pretty good pretty good way because uh it seems like they were able to isolate just one case so that sounds good so far yeah and then uh you know the yankees also been hit with a couple injuries uh which we'll we'll hit on a little bit later um let's go to the central division where you have the twins the indians and the white Sox, all seven and three this week yeah some uh some good baseball there um the twins indians white Sox are all um you know, have really good records right now. And um, I think you could see all three of those teams make, you know, looking for some help at the deadline. Um, the White Sox and the Indians, I think you could see, um, you'd definitely be very active if the Indians looking for some outfield help and the White Sox look, maybe looking for some pitching. Um, and then, um, of course, we've got the Tigers there as well at 11 and 15, which is a fairly good start for them this year, uh, you know, with a, during a rebuild. And um, they've, you know, made a pretty couple pretty big call-ups this week um, with uh, Tariq Skubal and uh, Casey Mize, who is a top-10 prospect and the former number one overall pick. So uh, they both had, you know, their first uh, their MLB debuts this week and uh, a couple top 50 prospects. And um, yeah. they uh, they've you know got some they got a future there for sure. Yeah, and then the Indians um, they also called up Tristan McKenzie, who is. I believe he was their top prospect or top pick in the 2015 draft. I think he was like 23rd overall. Um, battled injuries in his minor league career. Um, missed parts of 2018 and 2019. Um, so it was good to see him get called up. And I mean, he set like I think he had 10 Ks in his outing, which was second most by a Indian ever in their debut. Second to Louis Tiant, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, um, he's got a bright future, it looks like as well. Absolutely, and I tell you, with the Indians' pitching development, uh, there's no telling how high he could reach, how high oh, ceiling yeah. he could reach. So yeah, they're uh, they're a factory for arms, that's for sure. Uh, and let's go ahead and jump to the AL West. You got Oakland being seven and three this week. You know, not looking like they're going to slow down anytime soon at all. 
Um, Houston, they've they've rebounded and now they're seven and three. Um, you know, nice little week that they had. Texas, they're starting to fall back. They're two and eight. Seattle's four and six. Um, the Angels two and eight. Yep, talking about some uh, some trade. Uh, we're starting to look at some of the contenders and pretenders separating and who's going to sell and who's going to buy. And one of the big question marks has been uh, whether the Rangers would sell or buy. And um, you know, with their ten and seventeen record right now. Um, you know, they're eight and a half games out of first. They're four and a half games out of second to a team that, you know, has really underperformed most of the year so far. Um, you know, it's starting to look like the Rangers might sell. and They've got a few attractive pieces that you could be looking at. So yeah. uh, that, that's an interesting interesting thing to look at there. Um, and, uh, of course, the A's are uh, playing really good ball. So Yeah, they're, I mean, they're just insane right now how Oakland is able just to keep this up. You know, 19 and 9. For a team that, I mean, nobody really thought that they would be this good, you know, in this season, especially with they weren't sure, you know, what was Lazardo going to be? You know, Puck was injured a little bit. Um, you know, what are you going to get from Mike Fires after the whole exposing the Astros type deal? And uh, Manaya again, you know, another second year off injury. Like, it, yeah. it's just really surprising. And, and they always find a, some batters that just come out of nowhere yep. and are able to perform. Guy, oh, they play extremely good defense and they play sound baseball and um you know they've got some guys that can hit um you know they're not going to wow you and at the on the mound they're not going to wow you at the plate their defense but their defense is really good and they are athletic and can run the bases really well and they are able to win in close games so far this year it's been something that um you know their run differential i'm sure isn't fantastic for a team that's 19 and nine but uh they're winning their close games and in a 60 game season winning those close games gets magnified and uh, one of the things that you know we'll be talking about today is the search for bullpen help and uh that's uh something that you know with all these close games and having to win those one run games it's that's very important to get that you know that last that extra bullpen arm because that could be the difference right uh so let's go ahead and jump over to the national league um, National League East, we got the Braves five and five, Marlins were three and seven, the Mets were five and five. You know, which they've had their postponement of this weekend series, like as we talked about. Um, Nationals are five and five. They've had some big news come out of there, and then Phillies, they're they're in the they're in the the cellar right now at four and six. Yeah, the NL East has been uh, not great. The Braves have so many injuries right now. They're missing. You know, they're two two of their top three uh, offensive players, and they also have four of their starting pitchers that were projected at the start of the season out right now. So, um, you know, really the only pitcher they have left is Max Fried, and uh, they've somehow been able to, you know, stay above water. I mean, they haven't been spectacular in the last couple of weeks, but they've been able to not, you know, just completely fall apart. And, um, able to keep it together a little bit. And the Marlins, you saw it coming with them. I mean, it was a really cool story how they were doing. Um, they just called up a, a really good prospect in um, that the, the return for the best catcher in baseball, JT Real Muto, um, Sixto Sanchez, who is a spectacular prospect, can touch 100 miles an hour. Um, he got his first uh, pitched his first big league game this week, got the win. Um, against the nationals so i'll um, just say that his slider looks disgusting oh my gosh his stuff is incredible it, it, this is a guy that he's gonna be 
a he if if he doesn't get injured and he's able to you know refine his control and command just a little bit more, he's got the stuff to be a superstar in the majors. Um, so that's um, that's something that the Marlins desperately need is a really 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 good pitcher. To, they've got a lot of number three types right now, which is good because you know they have a lot of pitching depth. But um, they need a couple guys that kind of take the step to become, you know, ace types. And Sixto Sanchez is a guy that could very well end up being that that type. So yeah. And then we had the uh, the Braves also called up their best hitting prospect in Christian Pache. Yes, Christian Pache. Uh, he is a spectacular defensive player. Uh, one of the best uh, defensive outfielders in the minor leagues or the major leagues, for that matter. Um, the best outfielder in the Braves organization defensively. Uh, regardless of level and um, you know the swing is kind of a work in progress it sounds like some of the reports have been that they might uh, when, when Ronald Acuna comes back which sounds like it will most likely be this week that uh, Christian Pache might end up being sent back down to AAA they've been working on some swing stuff with him uh, he hits a lot of ground balls and um, they're um, trying to uh, they're trying to they're trying to refine his swing a little bit and his approach to the plate still um, he's been working on that real hard and in the triple a camp. Um, so we'll see if he's able to do that, but, um, but it's exciting to see a guy. He made a throw last night that was, uh, insane. Um, <laughs> through a, from, from the wall, from pretty much from the warning track to home on a, on a line drive to left field, uh, for a sack. It was, it ended up being a sack fly, but he almost threw out the base runner, um, to in the ninth inning with two outs. So, um, but he threw a one hopper to the plate from the warning track in left field, which is crazy. But um, could be really you know. good. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, figure out that swing. Yeah, and and regardless of if he ends up being a great offensive player, he's going to provide really good value defensively too. So yeah. we'll jump into the NL Central. We got the Chicago Cubs four and six, the Cardinals five and five, Reds four six. Uh, Brewers four and six, Pirates four and six. Just a lot of mediocre, uh, mediocre baseball coming from that Central this year. Uh, yeah, the Cubs finally are slowing down a little bit. They they were winning a lot of close games early in the season, um, and they were lucking into a lot of them too. Uh, their bullpen is really really bad, and um, their lineup struggled. They've they've had a they've had a lot of issues with some of their top players. Chris Bryant's not looked good. Javi Baez has not looked good. Um, they've got some issues there. Um, you know, they're going to have to have some of their star players turn it around some, or they're going to be in some real trouble this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, the Cardinals are just coming back um, from their whole COVID situation, so they're playing a lot of games. Um, being 5-5, five and five, you know, I would kind of expect that from their long layoff and then, you know, playing, I think, what they have to do. They have to do, like, 11 games in seven days or something like that. Um, yeah. They're going to have to do... So they're going to be a team to really watch out for because, you know, they're only three games back right now, but they're only nine and eight. Um, yeah, they got a lot of games to play. For a lot sure. of games to make up. So they could could be somebody that can push for the Cubs for that. But, you know, that central division just not looking looking like the strength that we all thought it was going to be. You know, we thought we were going to have four teams really from that division really push into for a playoff spot. And right now it doesn't it doesn't look that way at all. Yeah, they're. Um... They're not. Uh, the Brewers are. Their pitching is an issue. The Reds, I think, are the team that is most likely to challenge the Cubs. Um, 
I think that their lineup and their pitching staff and their bullpen are all three, you know, good enough to be the team that jumps up there. I, I see, I look at, for the Reds to, to have a really good uh, second half of the season with, you know, especially, you know, with with maybe a little bit of a turnaround in luck, and uh, especially with that rotation, because they're going to have three games a week or three games out of their five where they've got a guy that's a potential ace on the mound. So um, that's going to be. I think I, I look for the Reds to to have a pretty good second half and maybe rebound a little bit, chase down the Cubs, because um, eleven and fifteen for that talent is pretty pretty poor. If you had, if you ask me. Oh, very so. poor. Yeah, I, I expected them to be a lot better this year. Um. Let's go ahead and finish this up with the National League West, which the Dodgers they went nine and one this week. Um, yeah. The Padres went seven and three. San Francisco went six and four. Colorado really fell off. They went Colorado one and is, nine. Yeah, Colorado um, is really struggling. Arizona went five and five. You know, the Dodgers being nine and one. A lot of the, they played the Angels, the Mariners, and the Rockies in the past week, really. So they're. Uh, you know, like we said, we said look forward to that Colorado series, and and they swept them this weekend. You know, they didn't face they didn't face Herman Marquez, um, but they faced John Gray, they faced uh, Senzatella. I forgot who they faced on Saturday, but you know, the, either way, they they did what you expect the Dodgers to do. They scored a lot of runs, and they just beat them all around the ballpark. You know, Arenado looks really lost right now at the plate. Um, stories kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, McMahon's looking really good, but I don't understand what's going on with Colorado. You know, they, we knew the, a regression was coming, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Yeah, you just never know. I mean, you know, a team's going hot streaks, team's going cold streaks, and they're just on one of those streaks where you just feel like they can't do anything right. Of course, you got to remember with Colorado, I mean, they're still only two games below 500, and, you know, with that played in course filled and everything, as quickly as they might go one and nine, they might go nine and one in their next 10 games. You never know with them because of there's a lot of randomness there, but, um, but I mean, Colorado is going to be a, they're, they're an average team this year. I mean, they're pitching, their starting pitching is pretty good. Um, they've had some guys pitching above their head just a little bit, like, like Sensatella has so far this year. Um, and their lineup is, has, is pretty top heavy they've got some good guys there, but they're, they're just not, they're not a super deep lineup. Um, you know their bullpen's not very good, so I mean Colorado is is a team that they're just kind of an average team. They're just kind of there. I mean they're average in pretty much every aspect of the game. They're not bad. You know they've got a lot of good players. There's there's it's not it's not like they're a you know like a last place type team like the Pirates or this year or something. But they're just not really that good. So and uh, so we'll talk about the Padres actually because they had some uh, a really interesting week um, yeah, they, they first they first lost Tommy Pham which is one of their stud outfielders for four to six weeks with a broken hamate bone which those that don't know what the hamate bone it's that small bone on the outside of your your hand yeah, um, four to four to six weeks is probably either last week of the season or first week of the playoffs this is currently a playoff yeah. team so yeah and uh, that you know that's a really big loss for them. Um, luckily, they've turned it around by them just going insane with the bases loaded and hitting four grand slams in four games, and I think five grand slams this week as it was. You know, which it all started off with the whole Fernando Tatis swinging 3-0 went up by I think what was it seven they were up uh, seven Texans against seven Texas, mm-hmm. um, and he hit the grand slam and 
Texas really took offense to that. Um, their manager had some comments. He told a pitcher to throw at him. You know, got suspended for a couple games. The pitcher and the manager did. But that kind of woke the Padres up, and they just went on a, a spree of just hitting grand slams like nobody's business. Yeah, the the whole that whole situation was kind of weird to me. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people have talked this week about the old school versus new school baseball, um, and you know, let the kids play type of stuff. And I really don't think this has too much to do with that because this, you know, the way things have been the last several years, and you know, just game wise, seven run leads. You know, even if it's in if it's in the sixth, seventh inning, I mean, those have not been insurmountable for teams in the last several years teams guys are able to hit velocity better now uh with the with the way that the home run ball has been flying i mean um a seven run lead is not insurmountable so you know i think that you're still in a situation where i mean swinging on a 3-0 even if it regardless of the you know whether you think it's running up the score or not swinging on a 3-0 and a seven run games really i mean that's really not running up the score i mean you're just trying to keep your foot on the gas and make sure you don't blow the game now you know we could you can always have that 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 debate about whether that's okay in a 15 run game which right. i mean i think uh you know you the the big thing is that everyone talks about don't give up at bats if you're down by 15 well you also shouldn't be giving up at bats if you're up by 15 so exactly like philadelphia they lost a seven run lead to toronto this week yeah exactly it, um you know, and I think they ended up losing that game as well. They did. They did. Um, so, you know, and then he, he stole the third base with two yeah. outs up by six the next day or something. It was amazing. Yeah. You no, know, I, I don't. I don't, especially like that. Not for the not for that reason, but for the reason that he's a stud player and you don't really need that to steal third, especially with two outs in a six run game. And you don't want to see him getting hurt on a slide or something in, a, in, a, in that game. So, um, you know, I. I I would I would suck for a guy like Fernando Tatis who's so talented and having such a good breakout year this year to get hurt on something like that. But uh, I mean I love the aggressiveness from him. I think it's I think he's an exciting player and it's it's awesome. Um, I just found it more funny than anything that oh yeah for that sure. whole that thing was, happened. Then he stole yeah. third. It just kind of kind of just yeah. like a fu moment. Like hey I'm a savage. Like yeah. I don't know what you guys think. For sure, um, and um, and and the you know the, that four home runs and or four grand slams in four days from the Padres is something that I mean that was the first time that's ever happened in MLB history, and uh, yeah. I mean you know you think of the chances of that, you know I don't know if you see teams load the bases four times in four days, much less no. much less hit four home runs in four days. I mean I mean four grand slams in four days, it's uh, crazy. And then they hit the you know Jake Cronenworth hit one yesterday and so yeah. you know they had one game without and then they started hitting them again so um that's uh you know it's that's a remarkable thing that you know we've never seen before and that's the right. cool thing about baseball you never know when you might see something you've never seen before yeah so we're uh let's jump to some more injuries um you know steven strasberg we talked about last week you know if he could turn his season around um really help the nationals well it's come out that he has carpal tunnel syndrome in his pitching hand um so he is undergoing season ending surgery to help clear that out and take care of that so that's a big loss for the nationals rotation we were just talking about how he could be a savior you know and he saved them through the uh, the playoffs last year and and to lose that guy especially with you know scherzer didn't look all that good again yesterday um you know he, he's that's a big loss yeah and strasburg's a guy that's always seem to have some kind of nagging injury 
Um, when he's healthy, he's spectacular. You know, he's an ace level pitcher, but he's, you know, he's had a couple years now where people have kind of forgotten about his history of injuries. But I mean, that's been a big deal for him his entire career. So um, that's uh, something that they're really going to have to figure out because, um, you know, he's on a huge contract and uh, he, they, they, the Nationals need him especially i mean they're already they're what four games out of first place right now um you know uh, it's kind of crazy we were talking about the stand it's kind of crazy the new york mets look like they might end up they might be the favorite to be the number two team in the nl east right now so um in the playoffs so uh, but you know with the nationals scuffling like they are um you know, they got, you know, Juan Soto is going to do really well. The Nationals are also overperforming at the plate with a lot of their guys. And, and they, they just losing Strasburg is huge for them. And um, yeah. I don't know if, you know, at 11 and 14 in the situation they're in, I don't really know if they're going to buy at the deadline. And, and that's yeah. one of those cases where, I mean, I think they probably will make some kind of move for a maybe back into the rotation type starter or something, maybe to replace you know, just to get some depth. But, you know, right now they've got Eric Fide and uh, Austin Voth in their rotation, um, along with Anibal Sanchez, who has really struggled this year um, to go with uh, Scherzer and Patrick Corbin. So um, they really need something. They, they were really going to need something to to, 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 to change before, uh, if they're going to make a turnaround. So. I think they should just turn around and sell some pieces and, and just try and regroup for the offseason. Um, they do not look good. Losing Strasburg, like you said, is a huge thing. Yeah. I just don't see them making any noise. Um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt them to just try and offload some of their veterans they got, you know, and as Drupal Cabrera, Starling Castro, um, and just kind of reset and go back into the market and, you know, try and pick up a couple more veterans and go back from there and, and just rerun it next year. It's just I don't think they're they're going to find anything that's going to help them a lot at this deadline. Um, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. So, uh, another pitching injury we had, which was uh, James Paxton. He looked really good in his start beforehand. Um, he got forearm tightness. He had an MRI. They said his UCL um, is healthy it's intact and everything but he will be shut down for two weeks from throwing um and then uh they hope that he can come back for a couple starts maybe at the end of the regular season um you know i think we all think that the yankees are going to be a playoff team so you know if he can come back and establish himself you know the paxton that he looked like in that game before that injury um you know that that'll be a huge piece for them especially already losing severino for the year you know who knows what's going on with Domingo Herman? You know, Paxton was really supposed to be that number two behind Cole, and you know, I don't know how they're going to rebound from this one. But hopefully, he can get back at the end of the season and and look like the James Paxton because that guy is when he's on, he's nasty. Yeah, he's really good when he's on, and um, you know, he's always had that. He's a little bit like Strasburg. He had dealt not dealt with quite as much injury uh, issues for a couple years, and then last year, you know, it kind of started back. But he's a guy that has a long history of of uh, injury, and uh, you know, you hope to see him get back out there quick. Um, you know, the Yankees are a team that couldn't really afford to lose him because you know right now it's just Garrett Cole and sometimes Tanaka depending on how Tanaka wakes up on the which side of the bed Tanaka wakes up on so right. you know sometimes he's good and sometimes he's not so great and 
Um, right now, it's, you know, really Garrett Cole's their only consistent starter. Um, maybe Jordan Montgomery's been all right. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's another team that might be looking for some help at the deadline and um, for sure. And, I mean, it just losing Paxton. You never know how, how well Paxton will come back at the end of the season for just a couple starts as well. That's, that's another thing to look right. at. You know, if he's... You know, is he going to have to build up his pitch count again? Is he, you know, it depends on how long he's going to shut down, especially when you're dealing with a forearm injury. Because that's one of those areas, even though the MRI has come back and his UCL is clean, that's one of those areas you just don't want to risk it. So. Right. Um, and just another one that we kind of hit on earlier, Chris Bryant did get placed on the IL today um, with his wrist injury. Should be a minimal stay now, they said, but, uh, you know, it's something to look out for. We've already said he's he's been pretty much sitting out for a week. Um, he got a cortisone shot in his wrist and stuff, so definitely something to keep an eye on as well um, with how he's going to bounce back. Yeah, and he's really struggled this year, so um, you know, hopefully that ten days of rest will really help him out and get him back yeah. on the right right track. Well, now we're going to jump into our you know our trade predictions uh, part. You know, just trade part of the episode altogether. We did have one trade already that we referenced. It was. It wasn't a huge trade. It wasn't a blockbuster. Um, it was Brandon Workman and Heath Hembree traded from the Red Sox to the Philadelphia Phillies for Nick Pavetta, Connor Siebold, and Cash. Um, Workman and Hembree, they're two average uh, bullpen arms. You know, Like we said, bullpen is always going to be something that every team is looking for. Uh, Philadelphia has looked really bad already, so this was you know them kind of jumping the gun, getting two guys. Uh, I think Workman is is signed through next season, I believe. Uh, Hembree's a a free agent after this year. Um, So that's just, you know, bullpen moves for them. Uh, Nick Pavetta, you know, he's always struggled, uh, but he's a back-of-the-rotation, you know, type of guy. Um, You know, there's been a big thing always every year in Philadelphia about breakout Pavetta, if this was going to be the year he did it. And he'd he'd have a good month or so, but he was never a guy that, you know, materialized into anything that they thought he should be. Um... Once when the trade happened, we looked up Connor Siebold. Um, yeah, he only has about a 40 grade fastball, which on a scale of uh, 40 to 80, or yeah, 40 80 to 80, scale. 20 80 scale for the scouts. Um, you know, 40 is very mediocre. Uh, he kind of projects to be more of a back of the rotation arm as well, um, and then just cash to help offset the salaries of workmen for next season. Yeah, I mean, um, you look at you look at Nick Pavetta. I think Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta is kind of the biggest um, wild card in that trade because he's a guy that's always had pretty good, uh, you know, strikeout walk numbers. Um, he's able to get swinging, swinging misses pretty well, but he's always been, uh, you know, a victim of giving up home runs. And um, he, you know, this year he's been really bad. Um, he's been pitching out of the bullpen mainly this year. But, uh, you know, there's, you got a guy that, you know, is kind of a nine strikeout per nine slash two walk per nine type pitcher and uh, you never know what you might be able to get out of him. Um, and um, he's a guy that you know the Red Sox need guys that can throw in their rotation right now and um, you know they can throw him out there and you know maybe work on some things try to get some you know maybe make some adjustments with him and see if they can't you know get him to you know kind of get back to that to what he was doing you know when he was pretty good with the Phillies and um and then the, the prospect, you know, I think you got touched on it pretty good with he's just kind of a back end of the rotation 
you know, maybe innings eater, command and control type pitcher. He's not going to wow you with any of his stuff or anything. And then, um, you know, the Phillies badly needed that bullpen help. And, uh, you know, now Brandon Workman pitched last night. His first outing with the Phillies gave up a, a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth um, in Atlanta on a – and it was a little bit of an ugly outing for Brandon Workman last night. Um, now, the lead wasn't blown by him. It was blown by uh, Hector Neris pitching in the eighth, so – um, who's also really struggled, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you're kind of looking at a deal where you've got a, a couple average relievers that go to Philadelphia, help their bullpen depth, you know, maybe one of them can, you know, have a hot 40 games to close the season. And, right. uh, you get a couple of guys that you get a prospect and, and a cup and a pitcher who is maybe a reclamation type project for, for the, uh, for the Red Sox. So that's, it's an interesting trade for sure. Yeah, you know, like we said, it wasn't a blockbuster. Um, so we each brought one trade to the table um, for this episode. Many more that we've talked about off air, but with it being such a uh, such a weird season, and we don't know what the deadline's going to be like, we kind of just felt one, you know, one deal for each would be uh, would be the best bet. Um, so what what's your trade? So uh, my trade is. Um... You know, as I said, the two of the biggest needs for teams right now are the Indians are, you know, pretty good. They're, I think they're sitting at 17 and 12 and uh, they badly, and they have for a long time, badly need outfield help. Um, And then the Yankees, um, you know, especially with the injury to Paxton, um, they badly need starting pitching help. And it just so happens that both teams have an excess that, um, you know, of what the other team needs. So my trade right now, I have, um, Mike Clevenger going from Cleveland to New York in exchange for uh, Clint Frazier, who's a outfielder from the Yankees who has, uh, I mean, he's, he, he, he's been a little inconsistent with getting playing time, but he was a former top prospect who's had, you know, some, sometimes where he's looked pretty good at the plate. Um, you know, he's had gone on some hot streaks and then uh, as well as uh, Estevan Florial, who is a, prospect that has a lot of potential um but you know he's got a they say he's got an 80 grade arm and a 70 grade run so he's a guy that you know he's got a lot of athletic tools um some he's got some pop you know the hit hit tool hasn't exactly you know come around yet he's a low minors guy right now and then um clark schmidt who would probably technically be the headliner of this he's a top prospect for the yankees who is um a uh, you know pretty well thought of guy. Uh, he's out of South Carolina, um, so a, a, a pretty far move, moving pretty far along pitcher. Um, and uh, of course, Mike Clevenger being a, a guy who, you know, is probably a number two in the big leagues, and uh, you know can right away contribute as a number two. So yeah, um, so I think it's a pretty fairly even trade. I think the, the Indians, if it wasn't for the situation with Clevenger, could get a little bit more for him. Um, yeah, he's, I think his value is a little bit higher as a player than you know what he's what they'll get for him this year. But the, of course, with that whole situation, the Indians pretty much need to unload him because, I mean, the their team. A lot of, is yeah, a lot of people in that clubhouse are yeah. not happy. Yeah, so um, it's a bad situation. Yeah, and he, I think right now is you know a decent time to do it. Um, you know they are competing, so I mean, it doesn't. It's not perfect. Um, but they're also somebody that's unloaded Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer in the last couple of years, you know, that they're not going to re-sign Clevenger. 
that we we kind of just know that fact. He's gonna want too much money. Um, I think he's he's guaranteed. I think one more year on his deal or he's two, got right? two more after this two year. He's got two more. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, two and a half seasons. Um, you know, realistically, the time probably would have been in the off season. Um, but in this this area where they're pushing for it and that locker room isn't happy, you know, maybe now's the time, especially with calling up McKenzie and him looking so good. Maybe they do try and get you know a couple good outfielders for him and maybe another rotation arm. You know Schmidt, who he's already 24, um, so it's time for him to you know pretty soon come up and, and see what he can do. And Cleveland would be a good place for him to do that. You know they're always yeah. like we said they they develop pitching. So yeah, and Cleveland is a, as a mid market team too. They're gonna have a lot more control with Schmidt because they'll he'll be yeah. in his pre RB years for a few years. So basically be making the major league minimum for a few years and. It'll clear up some money for them as well, because Clevenger will be—he's in arbitration, so he'll be making a pretty good bit of money. Oh yeah. Um, even though he's definitely worth the money that he'll be making as a player. Yeah. So, my trade is—you um, know—we've talked about a lot on this because of you being a Braves fan that the Braves rotation is very bad in need of help. Um. So I went with one of the struggling teams, which we talked about—the Texas Rangers. Uh, offloading one of their good starting pitchers, off their best starting pitcher at the moment, um, Lance Lynn and one of a better bullpen arm, Rafael Montero, to the Braves for a top prospect that they have in Drew Waters. Um, Lynn is signed through next season, so you get you know the rest of this year and next year, because that gives you some insurance about what happens with Soroka and how does he come back. Uh, Montero gives you another bullpen arm for those games where you're not pitching Lynn or freed, you know, to kind of just lengthen that bullpen a little bit more, um, you know, and you can give up Drew Waters because, like we talked about, you have Pache, um, you have Acuna, you got some other outfielders there, you know, Ozuna if they resign him, um, Duvall. So I think Waters is kind of a, an expendable piece at, at the moment, um, and the Rangers would that'd be a good haul for them to get. You know, like we said, they're a younger team, kind of in the rebuilding, trying to come up. Um, and to get some good control from them, they're always looking for outfield help. I mean, I don't remember when they had a the same outfield for two seasons in a row. Yeah. Um, and to really unload Lance Lynn when he's at the height of his value, you know, we're talking about him as a, a Cy Young contender. Um, and you get a you know a year and whatever's left of this season for him as well. That's I feel it's a very even and fair trade that that kind of works for both sides. Yeah, I think that's a a, a good idea. Um. I think the Braves would definitely target, um, you know, starting pitching. And um, I don't know if the Braves will be willing to move on for Waters quite yet. But, um, you know, even if they don't move on for Waters, there's a there's enough pieces there. A lot of it depends on what the Rangers want. You know, if, if the Rangers want some some bullpen help, I mean, if the Rangers want some, uh, some, some prospect just more in numbers, um, you know, the Braves can provide that as well. But that's a very interesting idea. Um, you know that Lance Lynn would be a huge help to the Braves this year. I mean, yeah, that would be an enormous deal. So, um, so just a couple of other names we wanted to touch on. Like we said, bullpen's always somebody that uh, something that teams are looking for. Um, Joe Jimenez, Michael Givens, Anthony Bass—they're um, all names that have been brought up before um, in trade conversations, and very well could be this year. Um, depends on how you look at Kevin Gossman as well. Some people view him as a starter. Some view him as a reliever. Um, I think he's a better reliever than he is a starter, but uh, he's, those are those are some other names. And then if you're looking for a, a below the the radar kind of 
uh, starting pitching candidate, uh, Dylan Bundy from the Angels. Uh, you know, I think he, he only signed a one-year deal. He's pitching yep. really well. Maybe a contender will, uh, you know, try and jump up and get him and, and see if he, they can push for that playoffs this year. I think Dylan Bundy might be uh, might be controlled through next year as well. Um, I think he might be it might be his last year of ARB next year, so he might be under control. Um, but either way, I mean, Dylan Bundy's a guy that you know the Angels are out of it and. You know, they could definitely try to cash in on his improvements this year. Um, Marco Gonzalez, like you say, um, he's, you know, an interesting, interesting guy. Um, not really a hard thrower or anything, but he's, you know, gotten some pretty good results. And he's a, you know, a veteran pitcher at this point that's been around a while. Um, he pitched a really good game against L.A. this week. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty good pitcher. Um, and, um, you know, you got Kevin Gossman is a guy that uh, – he has been pretty good for the for the Giants, um, and his uh, peripheral stats have looked really good. So, um, you know, you could always – he's a guy that I, I think he's a starter this year. He's pitched really well as a starter. Um, now, he's a guy that's always had that speculation of will he be better in the bullpen, like you said. Um, and he's pitched out of the bullpen a little bit, you know, this year and last year. Um, but you just never know with him. He's always been inconsistent. I mean, you've had, he's got talent. He's got, you know, good stuff. Um, you know, he could end up being one of those late bloomer types that kind of figures it out at some point, you know, kind of like the way Lance Lynn has this year or, or last year is really when he figured it out. He's continued this year or Charlie Morton maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's, it, it's interesting to see what, what, what might happen with, uh, with this trade deadline. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty wild, uh, wild few days and um it'll be interesting to see how many trades actually go through too because you know kind of like yeah. we've talked about in the you know in the past past few weeks you don't know if you don't know if you're gonna have teams willing to trade for rentals this year give up prospects for you know in a in this shortened covid season that's such a yeah. weird season and you don't know if teams are going to be willing to sell quite as quick because even the teams that are out of it are only five or six games out so i think it's going to be a seller's market i think if you're wanting to sell you're going to get you know there's going to be a lot of teams that are wanting to buy because they're close right Um, so uh it's it's going to be very interesting and like andrew friedman which is the dodgers president um he was on the broadcast of the game today and they they, the announcers asked him, like, you know, what what's kind of the plan going in? And he said that the sellers of the market usually by this time have identified themselves, um, you know, only being a week away and you already kind of have those conversations. Um, and he said there's a lot of teams just kind of standing around the backboard just waiting for things to fall. He's like nobody's really identified themselves as a seller um, at all. He's like teams that are even at the, the very bottom of divisions think that they could, you know, not, they could buy and sell at the same time and make a run at it um, you know because of this whole shortened season so like like we said it's gonna be really weird to see what actually happens and and you know I would not be surprised to see a team sell off a piece but also buy another piece um, even if it's the same amount of control and 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 that just something that they to mix up the the feel in that locker room and see yeah. if they can get somebody jolted in the right way and kind of just show their team that they want to go for it. Um, yeah. And I did look it up. 
Bundy does have another year of arbitration. Yeah, I, I thought he had. I thought I read the other day he had one more year. So um, that'd be interesting. And, and you know, with that one more year, I mean, the, the Angels. You think about them and you know the talent that they have offensively, and um, you know their big issue being the rotation. You think they might hold him because yeah. he's been so good this year. And next year, if you know, you might get to see an Otani come back as a you know as a starter again, um, a starting pitcher and, and pitch you know, maybe be healthy. Um, you start to look at that. And then if, if you've got a uh, Dylan Bundy pitch like he has this year, and then an Andrew Haney pitch like Andrew Haney usually pitches, you've got three pretty good guys and, you know, maybe you just add one more and you might be in a situation where you've got a, a rotation that can actually compete next year as opposed to, you know, kind of what they're running out there right now. Cause right now their rotation's not very good. Their bullpen's even worse, but right. Um, yeah, he, that, I I, th- I do think that's a good point to hold on to him, and and you know they lack for pitching already, so maybe the, you know that's a guy they try and hold on to, and if they're at the the deadline next year and and really struggling, maybe you can flip something if he if he holds up this value. For sure. Um, so last segment we always like to do, uh, players of the week. Uh, we each pick a pitcher and a hitter uh, for the last seven days that we feel has been the best or that we just want to highlight. Um, so who do you got, Matt? Um, so offensively this week, my offensive player of the week um, is I had I had a couple of guys that I was kind of looking at, um, but I mean I don't know how you could go against this guy. Um, Jose Abreu has been really really good. He's had seven home runs this week, um, and that's pretty crazy because that's you know seven home runs in seven games. Um, right. And then you've got a uh, you got a guy in. Um, uh, you got a guy who's he's hit 5.33 this week with a 5.63 on base percentage and a 1.333 slugging. Um, that goes up to a 400 WRC plus, which means that he is four times better than the average player, which is pretty crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and he's put up a 1.2 wins above replacement this week, and that's as a first baseman slash DH who's not really you know, has, who really doesn't have any value defensively. So, um, he's been a minus 0.9 defensive value this week. And, uh, but offensively he's been so good. He's made up for it by putting up a, you know, 1.2 wins above replacement. That's what, you know, there's a lot of starters in the big leagues that put that up over an entire season. So, who's your pitcher? Uh, my pitcher is, um, um, Uh, it's uh, shoot. Who was it? I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I you went with Giolito, right? Giolito, yeah, that's right. Giolito. He had the seven inning start this week, um, where he struck out I think 13 guys um, in in seven innings. He only walked one in that start. Um, you know that comes out to a it didn't give up any runs. It was you know, seven shutout innings. Um, and uh, he also uh, that that turns out to the thing that jumped out to me was a negative 0.13 FIP, which is the fielding independent pitching stats, which is an ERA predictor. Um, he was actually in the negative on that, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so that's just a dominant outing from him. He's a just this is a guy who was a top prospect and really struggled for two years in the big leagues was just completely lost 
I mean, did nothing. Was one of the worst pitchers in baseball for like two or three years. And then last year, all of a sudden, figured it out. And, you know, last year was was really good. This year, he's been really good. And this has been one, this was one of his best starts of his career, which is pretty good since, you know, he had such a good year last year and he's been so good this year. So, um, you know, this is a guy that, um, you know, it's hard to pick against somebody like Kenta Maeda or uh, Hinjin Ryu had a good, had two good outings this week. Um, you know, Shane Bieber, you know, can't ever really pick against him this year. But <laughs> um, you just decided you just wanted to go with the whole Chicago White Sox feel. That's what you want to do. <laughs> Bray, you and Giolito, just go. Yeah, with that. Giolito, Bray. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. had a good week. The, the White Sox have been good this week, and and that's um. You know, you got to give them some love sometimes. I was a, I was a doubter on the White Sox coming into the season. Um, a lot of people talking about them being a playoff type team, and you know, I just didn't see it. But I mean, Giolito, if and Abreu keeps playing like he you know did this week, and their pitching rotation, Dallas Keuchel had another good week. I mean, this is this, this it, team that it was kind of ironic because we we actually talked down about them last week on the episode. Yeah. Um, you know, just saying how we're not sure if they had it, and then they. Abreu's just like, uh, yeah, okay, sure, okay, watch this. Yeah. And then Giolito's just like, well, I'm going to turn it into 2019 Giolito again. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, if, if those formulas, which we don't expect Abreu to keep hitting seven home runs a week and hitting 533 a week, but, uh, you know, if Giolito can turn it around and Abreu can just keep doing what Abreu does, you know, just be really solid offensively and not hurt them too much defensively, you know, maybe they, maybe they do have an outside shot. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, I mean, I think right now you're looking at a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, you've got the, I think the Twins and the Indians are a little bit better. So especially the Twins. So I don't think they'll beat the Twins and the Indians in uh, the division. But you know, one of the wild card spots, you might see them get to be able to sneak in. So yeah. So for my uh, pitcher of the week, you mentioned him earlier. I went with Kenta Maeda. Um, I went with him because he had a tremendous start, and being a former Dodger, I always knew this guy had, you know, he could have those real special games. Um, He went eight innings, only gave up one hit. Uh, He had a no-hitter going into the ninth inning and gave up a leadoff single, which was just a little blooper. I mean, it barely got over the guy's glove. Um, You know, he struck out 12 people, threw 115 pitches, you know, we, as a Dodger fan, you always knew that Kenta would have these games where he looked nearly unhittable. So I was really rooting for him to get that one done because he's just been a, a fantastic person and always a great teammate, um, always lifted everybody else up. Uh, and, and every year when the playoffs came, they were just like, hey, you know what, you're just going to get shoved to the bullpen, get shoved to the bullpen. And, you know, he finally got upset enough where he requested a trade and they let him find his own destination and it kind of just happened with the whole bruised our situation Mookie trade that all got all weird and uh, that but the twins also have former Dodger Rich Hill so that was a big reason for him to go there and uh, but that this game this week was you know striking out 12 one having a no hitter into the ninth just a it's a very good game for him uh, I was very excited about that one uh, and then for my hitter of the week I went with Blue Jays second baseman Kevin Biggio um, you know, he almost had a 30% walk rate this week, um, about 9% strikeout rate on his at bats. Uh, he hit 458. He had a 60% on base percentage. Uh, you know, he we were talking about WAR earlier. He brought up 
a .8 war himself this week, so almost a full win above replacement value. Um, you know, slug 750, only hit one home run, but just really killed him with doubles and and uh, just looked really solid. He looked locked in, and you know, especially with Bo Bichette going down, they really really needed Biggio to step up this week. Yeah, and um, you know, Biggio is a guy that he's a little inconsistent right now. He's a high strikeout guy, but um, this week he, uh, you know, he did really well in that facet. So that's that's important for him. And you know, we were talking about Kita Maeda. Um, he was he's one of the more underrated pickups of this past offseason. I think that nobody really mm-hmm. talked about him too much going to the Twins. But I mean, all he's done is put up in 31 innings, put up a you know a, a 2.27 ERA, um, and he's got a 9.38 strikeout per nine and 171 walk per nine rating, which is uh, both both of those are pretty elite numbers. So um, you know, good for him. I'm, you know, I'm sure you're excited for him. You know, and on a personal level as, as a Dodger fan and um, his numbers in those categories have looked pretty legit too. So he's, he's been, um, you know, he's been a very, very, very good starting pitcher this year so far. So, yeah, well, that will wrap it up for episode three of the bat flip podcast. Um, like we said, again, we are now on Apple and Spotify. Uh, we just in the first week, we shoot, showed a tremendous amount of growth with subscribers and listens just from what we had done before. Um, so thank everyone that listens to this. Thank you. Um, if you guys would you know, just give us a rate or give us a comment on the Apple Podcast or Spotify platform. kind of just helps us grow and, and other people potentially be able to find us um, and just keep helping us you know, improve this thing. Yeah. So just, just thank everyone enough for that. And, uh, yeah, you follow us on our social media pages at um, you know, on, on Twitter. Follow me at, at Matt Arcara, and uh, you can follow us at, at the Bat Flip Bat Flip Podcast on uh, on Twitter as well. So we're we're on there. Yeah, and be on be on the lookout for that that trade. The trade um, deadline is next Monday, the thirty first. Um, I will be out of town this next weekend, so we will be recording our episode on the 31st after the trade deadline has happened. Um, so we'll be out a, a, about a day, maybe two later. Uh, might come out on Tuesday the 1st. Depends on uh, depends on what time I get back and, and all the trades and, and stuff that we have to go through. Um, but it's going to be a very exciting week, so be on the lookout for that. And, and definitely pay attention sure. to our social media pages because we will, we will be hitting on all that stuff there first. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting trade deadline, so uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Definitely not. So from Matt and myself, thank you everybody for listening. This has been episode three of the Batflip Podcast.